0: This is No One Knows Anything, the politics podcast from BuzzFeed News. I'm Meg Kramer, and I'm here with BuzzFeed politics reporter McKay Coppins. Hey, McKay. Hello, Meg. So a few weeks ago, you interviewed Utah Senator Mike Lee. He's a Tea Party Republican running for re-election. He is a Mormon, and he's an outspoken critic of Donald Trump.
1: Yes, he is um, probably the patron saint of the Never Trump movement, Uh, one of the most outspoken, most aggressive uh, anti-Trump Republicans out there, which is kind of funny because if you, like, meet him in person like I did. He's like a very soft-spoken, kind of mild-mannered guy. But on this one subject, he gets very emotional. He is really not a fan of Trump.
0: But, you know, maybe if Trump is elected, Mike Lee will be nominated for the Supreme (laughs) Court, right?
1: That's my favorite trick that Trump has tried to pull. He tried to get Lee's endorsement just recently by uh, adding an addendum to his list of potential Supreme Court nominees, and Trump, which is
0: already like which
1: is already incredibly long, and then he added Mike Lee to it. And uh, and I love Lee's office actually put out a statement responding to it, being like, "Look, this doesn't change anything about how the senator feels about Trump, and he doesn't want to be uh, Trump's Supreme Court nominee."
0: We also heard from Senator Lee, along with New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, at a BuzzFeed Brews live event in D.C., and the topic of the night was criminal justice reform. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's just hear a short clip of that.
2: Uh, It's
1: an honor to sit next to Mike Lee. I don't think you hear enough um, of the truth about the United States Senate, is that there are real uh, friendships or real uh, uh, respect, and uh, Senator Lee happens to be one of those guys, uh, one of the people in the Senate that I have a, a tremendous amount of respect because he speaks um, and has such a moral consistency about him. We obviously don't agree o- on everything, but what I like about it is, where I, he, I know he's often uh, when he when I talk to him, even on tough issues, he's coming from an authentic place. And that kind of trust and that kind of respect gives us a platform for which uh, to work on really important issues. This has been one uh, that you have to understand. I'm I'm closing in. Uh, Halloween is my anniversary in the Senate. Um, I will I will be three years in October 31st. And um, he had been working on this issue years before I came to the United States Senate.
0: That was New Jersey Senator Cory Booker. So criminal justice reform is one of those rare causes that has bipartisan support in Congress. And it's something that Mike Lee has been behind for a long time.
1: Yeah, this is one of the, the several kind of issues where uh, Mike Lee kind of defies, I think, the liberal stereotype of what a Tea Party senator would be. Right. He's not like he's not like a Trumpian law and order, tough on crime uh, guy. Right. He he really believes in the idea of small government. And that extends to kind of the criminal justice system where he feels like when you put too many of these different um you know, laws in place designed to really punish criminals. There's no chance for redemption. There's no chance of, of, uh, you know, setting your life straight and starting over. And he is kind of an interesting guy. And I found that a lot of people in Congress, ideologues, very rigid ideologues of, of that are far apart can actually respect each other when they really believe that they like they they come to those beliefs and those principles uh you know in good faith and uh, and I think that that's an example of how you know those types of people can work together. The problem is when it comes to Lee and for example Donald Trump, Mike Lee doesn't believe that Trump actually believes very many of the things that he says on the campaign trail.
0: Yeah. This is like I, this is an interesting tension between conservative Republicans and the their party's nominee. Mm-hmm. What is it about this moment that you think is so interesting? What is it about this moment that made you want to talk to somebody like Senator Lee?
1: Well, I think that Mike Lee actually is in a way kind of representative of this this. This kind of Tea Party conservatism that actually is driven by ideological principle and it's not just driven by kind of attitude and grievance and anger, which, you know, because Trump has captured that part of the conservative movement. He's captured the anger. But but for a lot of the lawmakers or at least some of the lawmakers that were elected in the Tea Party wave, which Mike Lee was one of them of 2010. He actually believes in this stuff. And for him, he sees Donald Trump as threatening to destroy all of it, to destroy all the work the conservative movement has done over the last several years in Congress. And so Mike Lee, I think, is a fascinating figure for that reason, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to him. And then the other is just that his state of Utah, for the first time uh, basically since 1964, actually has seemed kind of in play a little bit like it's the most deep red state in the country. And yet Trump has really struggled there. And so uh, I wanted to talk to him about that also.
0: All right. Well, let's hear that interview right now.
1: start by asking about your state, Utah, which, uh, if you go back through history, it has voted Republican in every presidential election in the past half century. And yet Donald Trump, this year's Republican nominee, is struggling to put it away. He seems to be up by a few points at any given time, maybe as many as 10, but he's really not showing the kind of commanding lead that other Republican presidential candidates have. What is going on in your state? Why is this happening?
2: There's been a lot of speculation about this. It's difficult to pinpoint it to any one issue, but if I were to try to pinpoint it to one issue, I'd probably point out that there are aspects of Mr. Trump's message, particularly when it comes to um, tolerance uh, and religious minorities, just grates on the sensibilities of a lot of Utahns. Uh, A solid majority of the state of Utah consists of people who, like me, are are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Mormons. And, you know, as a church, as Mormons, we were ordered exterminated by the governor of Missouri on October 27th, 1838. Not that we're keeping track of those things. (laughs) But, you know, Mormons have never quite gotten over that, understandably. So when someone starts talking about religious tests, uh, a lot of people in my state get a little nervous.
1: Yeah, I mean, talking about the the you know ban on Muslim immigration that Trump proposed late last year, he's kind of mused about uh, you know registering Muslims <laughs> or surveilling mosques. Uh, these are things that for early Mormons, like you mentioned, who have faced state sanctioned persecution. Uh, might be a little spooky. Is that really top of mind? Like, did, when, did, when you talk to constituents or, or your fellow Mormons, like, do you hear that stuff coming up? Do they raise the stuff about Muslims? a lot? No, I,
2: and I'm glad you asked the question that way. I don't think it's necessarily top of mind.
1: Uh-huh.
2: It's in the background. Um, and so that's why this is the kind of thing that could, I think, be overcome You've got to put something back in there to fill it. And I think uh, that background, coupled with uncertainty that a lot of people feel about this particular candidate, makes them nervous.
1: Another issue that has been speculated about a lot when it comes to Utah and Trump is the question of immigration. Um, I've dug into the polling in Utah, and I think generally... Mormon voters there, and Utah voters in general favor border security. They favor you know uh, enforcing immigration laws. But there's something about uh, it's been suggested the tone that Trump talks about immigrants uh, say you know, kicking off his campaign, saying that Mexico is sending over drug dealers and rapists. Um, that also would seem to create with the Mormon sensibility. Uh, obviously the the LDS church. Uh, was instrumental in kind of creating this compromise law uh, a few years ago about immigration, uh, and they've urged compassion on this issue. Do you think that's an issue also that is is
2: hurting Trump in the state? It could be, uh, at least in an indirect way. And again, I I don't necessarily hear people articulating it as well as you just did, but I I suppose uh, some people might react that way to it as well. Now, keep in mind, uh, the Mormon Church has not come out and embraced... um, uh, full-throated amnesty or anything like that, but I think uh, a lot of what the church has said has focused on uh, the need to make sure that whatever we do, uh, we treat people with compassion and dignity, and that we take steps to uh, not split apart families whenever those can, uh, whenever we can reasonably do that.
1: Have you decided yet who you're going to vote for?
2: I will decide uh, <laughs> at some point between now and the moment I vote, and I, I'm going to decide on the basis of. Um, uh, uh, of principle and policy and who, who has uh, the best chance of reflecting my views and uh, y- you know as I've explained at length on countless occasions and as I explain at length in my book Our Lost Constitution which is outstanding by the way you really should read it. I'll make sure you get a copy of Our In Lost stores now. Yeah you too could be one of the uh, 18 people in the United States who read Our Lost Constitution. It's, it's more than that but uh, it's a good book. As I explain in Our Lost Constitution Uh, there are two structural protections in the Constitution that are of paramount importance. Federalism and separation of powers. We've drifted far from them. Federalism is the principle that tells us that most of the power is supposed to remain locally, remain with the people at the state and local level, and not go to Washington. Separation of powers tells us that within Washington, um, we have had the people's elected representatives voluntarily relinquishing their lawmaking power and handing it over to executive branch bureaucrats. And the resulting uh, body of regulatory law costs the American economy $2 trillion a year. Those costs, that $2 trillion regulatory compliance cost, is not borne by billionaires. It's not borne by big blue chip corporations. It's borne by hardworking men and women. It's borne by the poor and middle class. Mm -hmm. I think that's the big message that Donald Trump and every other candidate could and should harness right now, is that the rich and powerful have gotten more wealthy and more powerful as power has been taken away from the people and moved to Washington, and within Washington, it's been taken away from their elected representatives and voluntarily relinquished to unelected bureaucrats. That's the message that could help him win, and I've made that clear to him, that if he wants to win, if he wants to get the support of a lot of people like me, that's where he ought to focus, his it, attention.
1: Is Donald Trump a either a federalist or a small government-minded
2: individual from what you've seen? I, look, as a lifelong Republican, I desperately want him to be. I desperately want to believe that he is. There are some indications that he leans that way. It's easy, it would be very easy for him to make that clear.
1: Yeah, you mentioned federalism, you mentioned these. You know, the, the power residing locally. I want to talk about there's been a lot of writing in the last uh, you know few weeks and months about your state as sort of an interesting model of what a conservative state can be while still promoting this idea of community, right? There's an idea out there that conservatism has to be about, entirely about individual rights, individual responsibility, creating a sort of libertarian dog-eat-dog society. Utah, while being a very red state, being a very conservative state, is not
2: really that kind of a place, is that right? No, that's right, that's right. And we understand in Utah that conservatism isn't really about the individual, or about government. And conservatism certainly isn't about uh, this uh, rugged individualism of you're all on your own. In many ways, conservatism is about how we're all in this together. And that's all about civil society. That's what we're missing when we allow government to get too big and to have too much of a reach, is that we end up choking off these institutions of civil society, which have done more to alleviate poverty, and more to grow and build American families in the American middle class than any government program ever could. Well, and I went to college in Utah. I'm not from
1: Utah, but I went to college there. I have family there, and I'm also a Mormon like you, and one thing that makes Utah so different is that you have this church that a majority of the the state belongs to, and there are church programs, both for, you know church welfare programs and just uh, you know programs implemented that are all about you know Mormons taking care of each other and they visit their neighbors and they make dinner for uh, for families when somebody is sick and they they do things that you see in a lot of different religious denominations and a lot of churches around the country and the world. Um, is that repl- replicable? In other states, like in states where there isn't one uh, faith that everyone kind of belongs to, where there isn't a strong religious presence, can you do that same thing that Utah has done in other states?
2: Yes, Th- there is nothing uh, about this, nothing about the um, idea of having institutions of civil society that is dependent upon um all people or even most people belonging to the same church. Mm-hmm. Um, people form institutions of civil society. It's just what they do. It's what happens naturally, what happens voluntarily, as long as certain conditions are present, certain sort of minimum conditions, as long as there's an adequate degree of, of peace uh, and as long as there is an adequate degree of prosperity, so, such that people aren't just living hand-to-mouth from moment-to-moment as long as those conditions are present, and as long as uh, there's not something else interfering. And in some cases, that something else can be and often is government. Okay, my last
1: question. Utahns are famous for being very nice, very polite, very welcoming and friendly. I want to hear you say a nice thing about Donald Trump and a nice thing about Hillary Clinton.
2: Okay, look, uh, Donald Trump is... uh, uh, a very energetic, passionate guy, and I respect that a lot. I, I respect the fact that he's been able to um, harness, and tap into, and recognize, and speak to the angst that a lot of Americans feel. Um, a lot of Americans who feel like they've been left behind, they've been disappointed by a federal government, a federal government that is overpromised and under-delivered, a federal government that hasn't uh, done the few things that it's been assigned to do very well, uh, like, for example, protecting our border, and uh, it has let them down. And I commend Donald Trump for recognizing that, and I think he's been very skillful in how he's done it. You appreciate his passion. Oh, sure, (laughs) yeah, you you can't help but appreciate his passion. Uh, With Hillary Clinton, I I do think that she is a very smart um, person. She's got a lot of uh, natural talent, Uh, she's very intelligent, I served on the, on the Foreign Relations Committee for my first two years in the Senate. It was during that time that she was the Secretary of State. I, I, I liked a lot of the interaction that I had with her on most questions having to do with most things. And again, the, the exceptions are significant, <laughs> but we won't go into those here. Um, I, I felt like i gained some insights from her whenever she came to testify in front of our committee. Um, you know, I, I do believe that she wants uh what what she believes would be best for the country um i completely disagree with her philosophy about the purpose of the federal government and the direction in which we should take it
1: so my takeaway here is you're going to vote for hillary clinton in november no is that is that a fair
2: (laughs) of all the possibilities that i can think of um, uh, that is one that I will categorically rule out. <laughs> okay, there, so Clinton... there, is, there is no universe <laughs> in which I will be voting for Hillary Clinton.
1: Okay. Thank you, Senator, for coming on. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you.
0: I think it's funny that there's this whole group of Republican leaders who are among the undecided voters this year. (laughs) Like I've been thinking about this a lot because we're going to do an episode about undecided voters next week. But like, you know, how could you still be undecided? How could you still not have all the information that you need to make a decision about who you're going to vote for?
1: Well, I actually think that's interesting because it's indicative of like a very different kind of undecided voter this year, which is that like, they can't bring themselves quite to do the like obvious political thing which is like okay I'll just like half-heartedly endorse my nominee because he they I mean you you heard in that interview like Mike Lee genuinely is not a fan of Donald Trump or his ideology and he wants to get there he just can't get there
0: can you describe the difference between Mike Lee's ideology and Trumpian ideologies or Trumpism? What's the what's the ism?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that like to the extent that that Mike Lee is sort of a stand in of a very purely ideological, small government conservatism, like the major difference is that. Uh, he is obsessed with kind of originalist interpretations of the Constitution and, like, how do we uh, return power back to the states, back to the, uh, you know, communities, back to non-government entities. That's Mike Lee's whole thing, right? Like, take power away from the federal government and give it to to smaller organizations, right, to the people. That's the ideal. Like, Trump is not only not interested in that, The way he talks a lot of the time seems like he is actually a proud authoritarian and as president would want to take as much power as possible for himself and for the federal government to uh, wield in whatever way he wants to or feels like at any given moment. And like that, I think ideologically is one of the core divides between uh, true Tea Party conservatism and Trumpism.
0: Yeah, because some of the language that Mike Lee used in that conversation, you hear Donald Trump say at rallies, the failure of the federal government Mm -hmm. to provide people with the things that they need to get by. But he stops short. Trump stops short of you know, suggesting that everybody gets together to support each other.
1: Yeah, no, right? like you (laughs) don't really hear any like communitarian ideals from Donald Trump where he's saying like, oh, yeah, you know what, what we really need to do is return, uh, you know, power to the community and to the to the church and, and have this new civil society. I mean, he doesn't talk about any of that. Like he talks about himself being the savior, himself being the one that comes in and helps everyone and saves, saves the world for everyone. And, and I think Mike Lee is just fundamentally very suspicious of anyone, Republican or Democrat, that's making that case.
0: I wonder what Trump would bring to a potluck. <laughs> he would, he
1: would, whatever it is, he would insist that it was the best. It would be like, the, this is the best casserole <laughs> Uh, the the hugest most delicious casserole you will ever taste many, no, people, I mean, say. many, many pe- people, people say many people tell me this is the best recipe they've ever seen <laughs> um, no i would like i would like to see mike lee entertain donald trump at like a mormon potluck uh and just see how things go like it would be like a fun little like candid camera situation
0: okay so let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about mormons for a minute What does all this mean for Donald Trump as he campaigns in Utah, which is a state that loves to vote for Republicans?
1: Well, it's funny. I mean, like Mike Pence actually had to go out there. the, The running mate had to go out there and spend time in Utah, which I can't think of the last time that a Republican, anyone on a Republican presidential ticket had to spend time campaigning in Utah during the general election. I mean, that's just crazy. That's like completely unprecedented. I mean, look, I think the reality is that Utah the is so partisan Republican that even with Trump as the as the nominee, it's still likely that he'll win the state. But I mean, they've already had to spend time there. I mean, he's written uh, his campaign had to produce op eds for the the Mormon owned newspaper in Utah to try to pitch Mormon voters there. Uh, like I said, Mike Pence has been there. Their campaign is actually out there, kind of hustling to make sure that they don't lose this key state. Uh, meanwhile, you have. Gary Johnson, the Libertarian candidate, is polling at like 25 percent in Utah. Um, this other guy, Evan McMullen, who's like basically he's an independent kind of conservative candidate. Basically, his whole play is Utah. And Hillary Clinton, by the way, opened a campaign office in Salt Lake City, which is like unheard of. So you actually have this situation where the state of Utah for the first time in decades is actually kind of a toss up. And uh, it's certainly not good for Republicans <laughs> that they have to defend their turf there.
0: So that's what's at stake for Donald Trump. What about Mike Lee? What's at stake for him and his brand of conservative Republican politics?
1: Well, I, I think that, you know, one of the reasons that people like Mike Lee have been so reluctant to endorse Trump is because they can see past this election where this whole election is setting up a pretty intense civil war inside the Republican Party that could play out for year, years to come, where there is kind of the Lee brand of, of conservative politics, the the Tea Party tribe in, in the Republican Party. And then there's the this new kind of ascendant Trumpist wing, which is all about, you know, you know authoritarianism and nationalism and nativism and those two visions base you know they fundamentally uh, clash a- and it's unclear you know what where we go from here but I think that you know certainly for Mike Lee he wants to be a defender of this kind of traditional small government conservatism and uh, after this election I think he's going to be continue to try to be like a vocal voice for that.
0: All right. Well, McKay, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. No one knows anything is produced by me, Meg Kramer, with editorial oversight from Kate Nosera and Eleanor Kagan, and production help from Julia Furlan. Our music was composed by Beauty Pill. Find us on iTunes to follow our coverage through the election. You can email us. We're no one knows anything at buzzfeed.com or on Twitter. We're at no one knows. And we'll be back soon with more things we don't know.